Yeah, okay. How you doing there, Steve? Good. Good to see you. Always, yeah, you too. Always glad to talk with Teen Corp people. So. Yeah, I was uh, trying to recall when I came to your Las Vegas uh, session with uh, three students. Mm -hmm. Wasn't uh, that like four years ago or three? I think more like six or eight. Six or eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, in yeah, any right. event, uh, yeah. it's our pleasure to welcome Scott Peterson, the CEO of Global Youth Justice, which is, uh, I think, the uh, leading uh, organization in the movement to create teen courts, uh, not only in the country, but possibly the world. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and uh, how the organization started? Sure, sure. Um, like a lot of us, we got hooked on teen court or youth court or peer court uh, diversion programs. Um, I got started my second job out of college. My first one in New York was opening up a homeless youth shelter. Um, and that was from 91 to 93. And then I started up Youth Courts of the Capital District, uh, a nonprofit in upstate New York. Um, and that led to a lot of local programs like the Bethlehem Youth Court, the Colony Youth Court, East Greenbush. Um, and then Janet Reno visited my youth court in 1997, um, Attorney General Janet Reno, our first female Attorney General. Um, and she asked me to come work at the Justice Department where I worked from 97 until 2008. Um, and so I worked there advancing uh, these youth court and teen court diversion programs around the whole country. Um, and that was until 2008, 2009, we started Global Youth Justice just as a social venture, like a limited liability corporation. Um, and in uh, 2015, we turned it into a nonprofit because it had gone so well, you know, thousands of people were coming to the trainings and conferences and um, the programs were still growing. And in 2008, we launched it as an official charity, a 501c3 Global Youth Justice. Um, and then right now, 2020, we're kicking in high gear. We have a big plan from 2020 all the way through 2030 to get to 5,000 youth court diversion programs in 25 countries uh, by 2030. So we're at about 1,800 right now in 12 countries. The US has them in all of except for three states. Uh, there's none in Rhode Island, none in Connecticut, um, and we don't have any in, uh, what's our other state? Uh, Vermont. So uh, yeah, we're, we're working it, and global youth justice is uh, going really well, you know? <laughs> it's turned out well. well. It, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. I just, first uh, plug, uh, uh, for those uh, unfamiliar with the site, we have a resource uh, section and um, I urge anybody of interest to go to the resource section where you can easily subscribe to a free monthly newsletter um, and also if you're moved to uh, donate to um, uh, you know for my money a very uh, worthy cause uh, I agree having, having seen the benefits uh, uh, myself now, uh, you know, what was your motivation? What, you know, what, when you first uh, found Teen Court or heard about it, uh, what motivated you to move your career in that direction? Um, you know, I was looking for a career direction and I was actually thinking it was uh, to work with the homeless. 
I graduated from University of Buffalo. And then I was asked to co-chair a committee uh, to start a youth corps. And it was like the first time in Albany County, um, which is the capital of New York up in the city of Albany, that I'd been asked to do something. And I automatically thought, wow, this is such a great idea, having teenagers do it, keep them out of the system, uh, you know, and I, I just started saying, you know what, we should have these all through over New York after we're done with the Capital District. And um, it just became, um, I think personally for me, I, I'm, I've got a real nervous energy to myself. So it gave me an outlet for that to also be creative. Um, and it also, uh, it was something that uh, people wanted and, and that was needed. Um, and there still aren't diversion programs around the country besides this that have scaled even close to being one of 25. Um, so this just kind of, I think it was a combination of a lot of things, luck, timing, uh, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of, uh, especially the last 10 years, starting up a, a big nonprofit. You know, uh, you, you don't come from a rich family where you got a, you know, a, a little trust fund. <laughs> Yeah. or to pay for all these bills, it was literally, okay, this month I'll buy a logo with the money I'm earning from working at the other nonprofit, yeah. uh, which was uh, a, a national nonprofit I, I worked at. So I was literally working to fund my side gig, which was starting up Global Youth Justice, you know, so it, uh, it, it just has been a lot of pieces. And it's been a lot of fun people too, which has been the fun part, you know. You want to know something? I, you know, when people talk to me about my attraction and, uh, uh, you know, and conviction. Um, I find the restorative people, uh, by and large, are, you know, people who are seeing the glass half full, they're positive, they're uh, energetic, and, and really seeking to do good works. Um, yeah. And it's just a pleasure to be around them. Uh, yeah, right, you know, right. I personally got started uh, through a weird set of circumstances. I found myself uh, in my 60s entering a classroom full-time for the first time mm -hmm. to create a, an academy of law. And I was looking for something relevant. I wasn't looking for restorative justice. And I came across, uh, across teen court and just a, a immediate attraction. It's such a win-win um, the circumstance. So, uh, do you want to tell the folks you have two annual meetings? Uh, yeah, yeah. And we were and, up to, yeah, we were up to actually uh, three trainings a year, three uh, three day ones, and now we've started putting on conferences. Um, so we did our first one. We had a goal for 150 people, which easily we uh, filled up because there are so many programs and there's nowhere else for people to go. So it is important, as you said, to mention those kinds of trainings. Um, so we'll be doing more trainings, but what we're doing this year, um, we're gonna switch to, we're still gonna continue the trainings. We're gonna launch back with the first one being in June. Um, that'll be in Las Vegas. We're gonna be doing one in Boston. Uh, we're also looking at doing one in Louisiana. So we're gonna start having them in different parts of the country. Uh, when you put on trainings, one of the anybody watching who's ever organized an event, you've got to sign for all these rooms and <laughs> you know, meeting space. And before you know it, you're on the hook for 25 grand, you know. So we, uh, because we do all of these in a volunteer capacity, we don't make money off when we charge people 195 and feed people, you know, spend it all. So it's in a good spirit. Nobody's making money off it, but we also can't lose money. 
Um, and that's one of the things is really for the past 10 or 11 years, there's been nobody besides us on a national or global level who's done anything. And we hope down the road, there'll be three, four or five groups, you know, nationally, like there's for mentoring and other things. Uh-huh. We're kind of doing all the pieces of it, you know, the newsletters, the trainings, the technical assistance, the website, uh, making everything public domain on the website. Um, so it's just done in a good spirit. Now it is changing because we are now applying for, we applied for federal grants. Our first one we submitted and one for the 9-11 day, uh, federal holiday with AmeriCorps. So we were just picked as to be United Way Worldwide and Global Youth Justice. Uh, we're picked as the two organizations to lead to September 11th um, federal holiday and involve youth and volunteer things. And um, so we're excited about that. Um, and the phone call right before I had with you was with uh, Verizon and that we're going to plant 9-11 day trees, 2,977 for each person that died um, on September 11th. And so Verizon's going to pay for trees, uh, $50,000 worth of trees for people to plant all around the country. So all the youth and teen courts will get about 100 of them to each plant 30 trees. Um, in memory of each person that died. So that worked out good. I, I delayed your call for an hour, but they're well, gonna, yeah, they're gonna give Arbor Day $50,000 in an account for us so that we can uh, chip the trees to the programs. So that worked out well. Fantastic. I, yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. And I again, love success local programs. Local, local, yeah. local. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when you go to, uh, um, well, I have a couple of colleagues, uh, Molly yep. and uh, Mark, uh, those interested in starting um, uh, teen courts. Uh, I, I, I mean, you're a treasure trove of information. Uh, you know, that is the Global Youth Justice site. And is that um, Las Vegas meeting still the meeting for people who are looking to start up uh, courts? It is. We're going to, um, because of COVID and everything that's going on, um, we're going to have a lot of programs restarting with new staff. So we'll have those new people and existing programs that restarted. Plus, we're going to have uh, new programs, people that just want to start them. So really what we're doing with the trainings, they're shifting more to people who've never been trained, new to an existing program or a new program. And then the conference will be for a lot of people like yourself who've been involved for a while. Um, and so that it'll be more separated. We probably could have done a better job with the trainings, but it was always a mixture of people. Um, and because we could only do one event, maybe every six months back a few years ago, um, you know, we were glad to just do that. Um, plus we get a lot of people at the trainings who like to just come and network with their peers, see what's going on yeah. new. And just to get away from working, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it's good. We try to appeal the uh, the best we can, and we're gonna we made a conscious decision starting from here forward. We're gonna have more trainers and and be more specific with the trainings, you know. Uh, yeah, couldn't I know it before. When uh, you know, I was there with uh, the three of my students. Uh, it was a highlight of their. Oh, uh, high school careers. Yeah. I mean, they were treated like uh, royalty. Uh, 
you and your board uh, took them out to, uh, I don't know if you Where recall. Oh, that's right. We treated you, them somewhere for dinner, right? Yeah, the, the Bellagio, Bellagio Buffet. buffet. Yeah, 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 right. I forgot yeah. about that. We had some of the kids there. We uh, had yeah. some leftover money. <laughs> don't tell our board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, you know, that was really top shelf. I uh, I took my wife along as a chaperone. And so we joined, uh, we, we went to the Bellagio at the same time and we sat a little ways away, but so we could keep an eye on the kids. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh, they had a great time. And there was a, um, oh, a high ranking police officer from Chicago who uh, uh, helps administer the teen courts there. And he ordered up a stretch limo and took the kids <laughs> on a, a tour of yeah. uh, Las Vegas. And boy, they, they sure loved that. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that was a. Yeah. yeah, it was just wonderful. So I urge mm -hmm. everybody out there to get as many people as they can, because these conferences are really amazing for uh, a the amount of information uh, to the way you package it. I mean, it really is. Um, it might sound, you know, really easy to say, OK, let's start a team court. But, yeah. you know, as you say, there's a lot of moving parts. And it, yeah, you, there are. Uh, uh, like I say, I have a couple of uh, colleagues who I worked with here in San Diego, or one's now in Nevada, and um, the other's still in California, but they both want to start up, you know, courts there, and uh, they joined in working with existing courts, and uh, uh, even with their work, they really didn't have an appreciation for what's involved in getting one off the ground. Yeah, uh, a lot of pieces. Yeah, especially yeah. they're volunteer driven for youth and adults. You need a lot. So it's a lot of coordinating adults, training them, recruiting them, you know, keeping yeah. them involved, retaining them, recognizing them, organizing them, and then yeah. getting all the other uh, agencies to refer cases and keeping it going. And now who knows? Uh, we have hundreds that are back. We have hundreds more that are in COVID, COVID pause mode. You know, yeah. by state or county, they, they just can't meet in a group, you know, like where I'm right. in Massachusetts, you can't have more than 10 people in a social or professional gathering. And yeah. that's still as of today. And you could have one case that could literally have 10 people involved just between a parent, guardian, the offender, adult coordinator, and then the youth in the different roles. So it's really, uh, and we have hundreds more that we don't know what's going on, but we're doing our best to check. We're not a federation or association or membership where anybody pays us money. So a lot of it's just done through, again, uh, a couple of us, you know, making the time to, okay, I'll email a hundred tomorrow, see how many respond. And can you go and Google and type in youth court and go through like <laughs> 200 pages and <laughs> try to find what you can. <laughs> but uh, no, I understand. Yeah, and we, yeah, yeah, our, our program here in San Diego <laughs> County has been, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being put on pause is, I think, a charitable word for uh, semi-catastrophe. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly right. Starting yeah, up yeah. again uh, mm -hmm. after uh, this thing finally is, uh, you know, beaten. Uh, yep. You know, it's gonna is it, gonna be a daunting task. I think uh, it is. It is. Yeah. And I, I know, I know, we lost twenty seven already, and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up losing a hundred that don't come back. You know, um, you know, and we have a lot more starting. There's a lot of states that are passing legislation, like Virginia 
to put one in every county, Pennsylvania, um, and some of these states where there are not ones. But yeah, and the government's done nothing to help. We contacted the Federal Office of Juvenile Justice Delinquency Prevention, our board vice president, the Honorable Arthur Burnett, Judge Burnett and I, um, and they nothing. They're not even doing, not anything to not help us, but to not help any other programs, the Federal Juvenile Justice Office. Um, and it was literally shocking to hear they uh, said, oh, we released the blog on tips and we're supporting the current grantees we have, which is like, so yeah, you, you can't let your local government, federal government, I mean. Um, so we, we just decided that we're gonna need to do a really aggressive training, like one every other month, you know, for like 10 of them, you know, to, to just yeah. get this back going. Because if not, you'll have more kids in the system because there really are no other diversion programs referring this many kids. Um, because these are so affordable because you have one adult coordinated full-time or part-time or a couple part-time people, maybe one full-time. It really varies um, what they have. Um, and even in the tribes too, um, we've, a lot of the programs that I've talked to there, those have almost pretty much stopped because the tribes have really closed things down further. Um, hit hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they have. And there's not a lot of... Uh, a lot of times only a few social gathering places, so it's spread kind of quick. And I don't understand it all, but I know that when they've called me, it just seems worse than the other places because they don't have all the partners to help them. Yeah. Um, and pretty much nobody's talking about it. Any of the other criminal justice programs, juvenile justice, not a bad thing, but we've released on social media what's going on with us. You know, hundreds have started, hundreds are in this pause mode, which is worse and a hundred we don't know and some have closed. So we've done our best to uh, be transparent. Anything we know we release because we don't look at it as, as a bad thing. You know, We don't try to hide anything. It is yeah. what it is. And we're not in control of anything on purpose. We don't tell anybody what to do because that's not our spot or nobody needs to listen because it's real local. So these yeah. programs are so local that they almost all the places they figure it out. Yeah. And it's like you said, we're a, we're the resource out there, but we're the chief like cheerleaders in chief too, you know? <laughs> I think that's probably what we do better sometimes and uh, yeah. we gotta do better on other stuff. But considering well, most of it's all been done volunteer, um, I went through my whole 401k spending it to start Global Youth Justice, but I don't have no kids. So um, it was a good investment, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's going good now. Finally, <laughs> I'm wood, wood back here on our panels or somewhere. Well, it, yeah. it's certain. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, don't need to get into the numbers here because they're all on your site. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, if you're looking for data to support the uh, efficacy of the teen court, um, you've got it on globalyouthjustice.org. and um, it, it's just amazing. What I mean, I've never seen such a win-win uh proposition uh, yeah. and in terms i think that uh uh new york uh isn't new york in their uh a criminal reform bill aren't they promoting uh, youth courts courts yeah they are they north new york like north carolina they raised the age from minors from 16 to 18 but what that really did then is 16 and 17 year olds um, it put them into the juvenile justice system, which already didn't have a lot of diversion programs. So there's a positive side to it. These 16, 17 year olds aren't in the adult system, but they're in the juvenile justice system, which sometimes can be worse if you're a kid. 
Um, and like you said, you used a good word, policy. All these places want to pass policy, but there's no uh, policy. There's no appropriation money to go with it to support it, you know, um, in most cases. Well, so it's know, I, really I had, uh, and again, I'll refer listeners to the uh, resource page, but I had a group of, uh, of teen advocates who put together a, uh, a movement to uh, try to generate a bill from the California State Legislature to fund teen courts in high schools. Uh, and, you know, we got uh, before COVID, you know, we had, uh, you know, we got an assemblyman, assemblywoman who's a powerful uh, lady uh, charge of the uh, Ways and Means Committee uh, to, uh, uh, you know, lend a hand. And then uh, COVID started and uh, uh, just uh, dropped off the uh, face of the earth. Uh, yeah, so many things. Uh, I mean, yeah, so many, so many needs. But uh, I fully expect that we'll pick it up once the the time is right. And uh, yeah. what a great experience for the kids to deal with, uh, go to lobby uh, the legislature, and uh, you know, go go meet with the assembly people. And uh, so even when you don't, it doesn't seem like you're making progress. At least for the kids who are involved as uh, activists in the movement, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, learning process. And a lot of these kids really find their voice and you know, it's yeah, beautiful yeah. Oh, yeah. to watch. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's a lot of times a volunteer service for the youth to volunteer. Often there's not something uh, that's continual. It's more episodic, you know, like let's, organize a big event four months from now and do something on a Saturday. Since kids are always getting arrested, uh, the, the program just keeps going. So the youth volunteers to include former offenders, I think they really build uh, skills with inside themselves and confidence um, because they're actually doing something with cases as long as they're having enough of them. And they can be involved for one year, two years, three years. The program I ran, I'd left after three and a half years, but I was there up until the beginning of the fourth. And we had kids that started in ninth grade were making another year commitment as seniors. Um, so that's, you know, some of these kids are involved for years and it's the main thing they do. And for a lot of kids who don't come from wealthy families, there's not a lot of money involved with having to be involved, you know. Um, it's not like you got to buy all the sports equipment, yeah. a lot of programs. Yeah. A lot of programs even buy t-shirts, the same color so that all the kids look the same. Cause some kids can't afford shoes and a polo shirt or, um, or they exactly. grow out of them. Yeah. 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 Well, they grow out of them That's so quick because they're teenagers, the parents. Yeah. Can't, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I really think for the youth volunteers, it's great. And then obviously for the offenders, parents don't need lawyers and if you cannot arrest them or charge them you know different words for minors I encourage that first you know um, I also encourage programs to take a kid a second time you know a teenager maybe when you were 12 you got arrested for stealing something from Walmart and then when you were 17 you got arrested with your or charged you know apprehended for marijuana or alcohol you know um I don't think you should rule out not taking them a second time because the, the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's one of the big uh, 
That's one of the yeah. big issues we've had is expanding the scope of uh, yeah. cases they're allowed to hear. And yeah. it's, it's really frustrating because, uh, geez, there is, uh, like I say, the results are just, you know, you can't argue with success. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's so easy to see the failure of the punitive systems that are, you know, currently in control of the process. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is to get people involved in building community. And, and there's, uh, in my train of thought, nothing better you can do than volunteer, well, you know, for team core duty. And there's so many places where, uh, an individual, you know, can help. And uh, I think find a whole lot of satisfaction and, uh, uh pleasure. In, yeah. in the work. And so I know that you have uh, on your site a lot of information on uh, uh, volunteerism. Yeah, uh, yeah, very And so I would suggest anybody um, uh, interested, and I uh, would urge you to consider, uh, uh, you know, becoming involved. If it's San Diego County, you can call me. If it's anywhere else in the world, call Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe call Steve for California too. Yeah, you okay. Take <laughs> I'll take California. Uh, but in any event, it's uh, very easy to find on your site, and uh, I know, just know that if you know if it's if it even sounds good to you a little bit, you'll yeah. find out how much uh, satisfaction you can uh, gain by uh, getting involved in this community building. Uh, you know, activity. Uh, and lots of opportunities for the adult volunteers, too. They're no, not that's what I, I'm talking about adult vo volunteers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was just building on that, too. But there's lots of roles, not just board committee roles, but training the youth, serving as like case mentors, helping out with the mandated community service projects, uh, helping raise money. Um, yeah, there's a lot of roles for people to literally anybody that you know, wants to do something. There's a lot of ways to, to get involved. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's very much local. There's nothing else I haven't seen in my 25, 30 years now, anything like this. I tell people it's a textbook example of a local grassroots movement. Um, if you really looked how this is spread, it's spread locally. The federal government never funded local programs and we didn't really want to, and we didn't really need to. Um, when I did that for 10 years before Global Youth Justice. And I don't think it's a good idea because then you got to worry about when the grant ends. And a lot of these operate on budgets. I'd say 75% of them operate on budgets between 25,000 and 100. Um, and then other ones operate on 5,000. And I know some that operate on like 300,000, but it's not just the local program. Sometimes it's a countywide program, like in Florida or Texas or Colorado. And there's like eight different communities in it. So it's it really depends on how many programs you have, but more importantly, the programmatic elements of one of these youth courts or teen court diversion programs. Because if you're doing the community service, the mandated service that the kids who've been charged, arrested, apprehended have to do, some of them do that, all of it with them, um, training them, depending on the number of cases you have. Um, so there's really a lot of, uh, factors that go into it. Um, and as you said, uh, our, our website, if you go under the resource button, 
there's a publications button there that's got about 20 different manuals um, that you can use for free. The American Bar Association developed them, street law, and those were all paid for with our federal taxpayer dollars. So they're 100% public domain to cut and paste, use. Um, and, you know, sometimes a manual might be long. It's really not that hard to set up as long as you have the uh, go ahead from the local community leaders, you know. Uh, without that, it can be a lot more difficult yeah. in forcing them to come to the decision that they need a diversion program. Um, we support, a, a, I support a system of graduated sanctions for several, uh, you know, diversion programs because this isn't the end all be all. But, you know, in practicality, probably 95% of these communities, they can barely afford one or they don't yeah. want more than one. Uh, so there's really not another option in most cases. Well, I've tried to spend a lot of time uh, training uh, law enforcement, uh, yeah. especially the, uh, the folks on the beat, you know, that uh, uh, deal directly, you know, with the kids and yeah. find such a broad range of responses. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me how many divergent opinions there are. And uh, uh, I've sort of taken the path of least resistance. I, you know, thank God I find somebody who's willing to listen and work <laughs> on them instead of trying to change the mind of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's always a question of how to devote whatever resources you, uh, you have. And uh, that's really a local decision uh, to be made. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, I think it's really progress and uh, uh, the, uh, uh, um, you know, work will go on. Uh, yeah, yeah, it will. Yeah. So, and this is how it spreads, like what you're doing right now, interviewing me, we'll share this, we'll get it out to more people. And it's all these little things that added up as I get older. Yeah, this work came nice. from here, that from there, and what, because uh, yeah. it's without money in most cases, it just it, it captures. It the comes and it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes and it goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I urge people who listen, you know, to me is just to talk about, it. talk about youth justice, talk about um, uh, restorative versus punitive systems. Um, you get a basic foundation of information, which is best found on your site, and talk to people. If you know a school principal, if you know, uh, you know, if there's a police officer who lives down the street, yes. if you know a lawyer or a judge, uh, uh, just, you know, anybody in uh, uh, the public sphere that works around kids, uh, just talk about it. It's easy, you know, the more seeds you plant, the more trees you'll have. Yep, and exactly. it, it, it's a numbers game. So everybody, yep. you know, <laughs> come to me, come to Scott's or go to Scott's sites, uh, go to yeah. my site, uh, get the information and talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the, you know, this, this organic growth is growth that's meaningful. You know, yeah, whenever yeah, you yeah. come in, this is the program and you come in dogmatic. What I love about it is there's a million ways to skin the cat and there's yeah, yeah. nothing 
about this whole system that says, well, you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way. Yep. It's a fact that certain people can pull certain stuff off and uh, oh, so true. other That's people so true. wouldn't have a shot. Uh, yep. So find your way and go for it. Help yep, the kids yep. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great that it's public domain too. It's pretty rare, yeah. you know. Usually you'll have some national or global group that wants to own everything the name yeah, you can't even copyright log on yeah every everything's public domain and it's just like you know come to training we'll help you what you want and we'll empower you go back and you don't need us you know after that you know unless you see something it, it's uh uh you know you, you can really the community can own it you know yeah and i tell you, you might not need it but boy yeah. there's really nothing <laughs> like this practice yeah yeah, yeah i mean you know if you give if you know, just sharing things at work is a really good thing. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it, it causes a big growth. I mean, we've got 105,000 newsletter subscribers, 10 Twitters, some of them like 75,000 followers. I mean, it, I think taking this public domain approach and just like you said, trying to help people without trying to own it or make money, um, people see that, you know, and they yeah. want to be part of the network. And we have people involved that even don't run programs that um, people support it for the democracy values for the kids, the civics, uh, the rule of law it teaches them, accountability, citizenship, youth service. There's uh, so many things, but we, we just need to still get more uh, support, you know, to uh, really help, you know, and expand it. Cause it could be in 40,000 communities, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, there's that many local. We should, every community should have them. And that's our goal um, is to keep going in that direction. Um, but it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, we got to come out strong the next year or two, you know, to keep it, push it out front further. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. One, one of the things you said earlier, uh, you mentioned something about offenders being involved as volunteers. Hmm. And I mean, that's like my favorite thing. The, the teen court jury will uh, order the uh, offender to um, uh, participate in uh, teen court jury instruction and uh, participate in a specific number of cases, five cases, 10 cases, whatever, you know, yeah. the jury comes up with. And then, you know, and I keep track and all of a sudden, you know, here's uh Here's one, and he shows up after, uh, uh, you know, he was ordered to do five cases, and he's yeah. done five cases. This is a six, and you know, I'll say, Juan, you know, you've 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 done your, uh, you know, your obligation. The obligation, yeah. Yeah, he says, I know, and I'm here, and uh, I want to be here. You know, it just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, I mean, it just happens time and time again. And it's really, a, uh, you know, it's transformational for so many of these kids. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's well, why Scott, the, uh, you can target those youth offenders. What I used to do and when I'm doing the teaching, I tell people, keep track of all the youth offenders who went through your program last year. Um, and when it comes time to recruit uh, volunteers to serve as the prosecutor, judge, that's whatever not model you have. Send them a letter or, a, a, you know, and encourage them to come back and volunteer, you know. So it's important to involve them all. And, you know, all these kids are all, a lot of times it's just who got caught, you know. 
Um, you know, some are, I, some are taking their. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the. Uh, there's really no difference between 99% of the teams that do stuff, you know. Um, some just maybe did something once, been doing it, get caught. But what we're seeing across the country is there's some really serious stuff going on with the teens, you know. The crystal meth is still big, the cocaine. We have teen courts that are in Florida that are taking cocaine cases. You know, teen courts meant for, meant for minor first-time offenses, first-second-time offenses, violations, crimes, offenses, misdemeanors. Um, but when you get into the community level, um, 20 years ago, I would have been horrified to hear teen courts handling cocaine um, or crystal meth. But these communities, they say, we don't have any other diversion program. You're not locking our kids up. And the local community, you know, the chief of police, but they list, the chief listens to whoever the elected officials are. If this is our diversion program instead of arresting them, but they'll do drug treatment, you know, or treatment and then go to teen court. Um, but it's a problem. There's not enough diversion programs and people can look to these programs and take more serious things. Um, and I try not to judge when it's local communities doing it, but you'll find people are thoughtful. It's not like anybody's just saying, let's let King Court uh, cocaine cases go to King Court, um, which is probably only like a couple percent of them, 5% of the programs take more serious drug offenses, but drug testing treatment um, should always go with it. And the ones I've seen are doing that. Um, it's just that what I've seen is a shift to more serious offenses because Teen Court might have been around for 20 years now in that community, maybe five years in another, because there's, you know, it's not like they all start at the same time. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of programs saying our community wants us to take these crystal meth cases. The kid had a possession, you know, and, you know, it's not up to us, but it's up to us to do our best to encourage them to do that. But most of these people are professionals and they've got them built in. But it, yeah, it, like you said, there's so many different ways to skin a cat and do this. And even nobody, it's not like just nonprofits run them or police or probation or courts or DAs, schools, social justice bars. The local community decides who's gonna be the lead administering agency, but you often need six or eight groups to in making the referrals. Yeah. Um, so again, it's local, you can pick it up and run with it like you've done and like I've done. Just take it to a, you know, now different, but so yeah, yeah, I appreciate you let us talking about this today, Steve. So thank you. Well, I, uh, I well, I thank you for your service because you really, uh, if it wasn't for you, I'm not sure that, you know, it was your website that, uh, you know, again, I was looking for something. Uh, we were starting a law academy in school within a school and I was looking for something relevant because uh, being a lawyer and not having been trained as an educator, it just appeared to me that yeah. if the kids are tasked with doing something real, uh, it was a whole different level of, uh, of learning, of uh, critical thinking, of uh, planning yeah. and problem solving than you get with, uh, you know, any course I could teach, uh, uh, you know, in a classroom. Um, yeah. So, hey, it's great seeing you. I promised I wouldn't take up uh, too much of your. Oh, no, that's schedule. okay. But and I I'm definitely like would like to. Oh, Pardon? I was going to say, I'm glad you like the, web, the website. I'm glad you found that helpful. A lot of people do. 
Wired Impact, I'll just mention, they're a, a company that picks three nonprofits a year who can't afford to develop really big websites. Um, they develop your website and then just charge you $249 a month. So we were picked as one of three. I actually applied for it because uh, we wouldn't have been able to afford to have all that stuff yeah. on our website. So they, they did it and um, made it affordable because they saw the value in Keen Courts too. So there's partners Beautiful. on many levels. And yeah, yeah, yeah they were great because we, we couldn't have afforded that. <laughs> but we, yeah. we're doing good now. Now we can, you know. It's, well, it's so good. worthwhile. Uh, I yeah. thank you. And uh, yep. when anything new pops up worthy of uh, discussion, please, uh, uh, you know, don't be a stranger. And uh if I don't uh, hear anything particular, I'll call you back in a few months and we'll catch up some more. Yeah, we will. Thanks for all you're doing, Stephen Kingcourt, too. You're our family out there. And thank you so much. Good luck, everybody. But great. Thank you very much, Scott. Take care. You take care, too. Yep. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye.